Post podcast. Why am I yelling? I'm your, I'm your host, Darren Pimp, and I'm a neurotic writer as well as the producer of a live stage show called Bed Post. Here at the Bed Post podcast, I invite past guests and performers from the stage show to indulge me in a more in depth, sex positive conversation. And this week, we have Social Capital's own Brandy Robertson. Hello. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> hey, girl, hey. hey. <laughs> How you doing? I am very well. I'm very well. I feel like I'm talking so loud. I'm going to turn the mic down. Touch and move it closer to you. Shove it in my face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just eat that mic, Brandy. So you work at Social Capital. I do. Which is the home of Bed Post. Yes. The happy home of Bed Post. I quite enjoy Bed Post. Yes. One of my favorite shows there. Really? Yeah, I love it. It's Yay. unlike anything else we do there, which makes it really fun. Um What's interesting about you? I think you're the first person that is yet to do a vet post. Like you haven't done it yeah. yet. You will have by the time this is aired. But you're doing it on this Friday. Yes, nerve wracking, but yeah. exciting. Really exciting. It's cool. I'm excited to get up there. I'm gonna read some poetry that I've written. Yeah. A I decided to read the first poem I ever got published. Really? And then I'm going to read some stuff that I wrote specifically for a bed post. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you, have you exclusively just written poetry, pretty much? Uh, no, I do a little bit of everything. I've been, uh, <laughs> I'll do the air quotes here, working on <laughs> a, uh, on a novel. We all are. The last, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how many years. Uh, yeah. By working, I mean... Yeah, it's, it hasn't really moved in a long time. Yeah, but. oh yeah, I'm on one. I'm on my third like novella slash novel, <laughs> yeah. however long it happens to be, and it hasn't moved. Yeah, it hasn't moved in like six months. Yeah, I go in and forget where I am and where my yeah, thoughts are going and the like. Yeah. By the time you have to reread, like yeah. you have to reread the whole thing, basically. Well, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Every time I work on it, but then the I just time... get frustrated. I'm like, why did I think that was good? Ugh. <laughs> Now i got to rewrite that chapter. <laughs> For me, I have, like, a very small burst of, like, productivity, and I'm like, okay, let's go. And then it takes me, like, a half hour to get caught up, and then it's gone. <laughs> I'm so familiar with that. Yeah. Well, I just read that for the 42nd time for yep. no reason. Yeah, precisely. And I maybe wrote one line on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> or fix some punctuation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You edited when you went back through it. Yep. And that, yeah. Yeah, didn't add anything to it. Yeah, pretty so, much. So poetry. Um, did you, have you ever taken any classes or anything like that when it comes to poetry? Um, I have. Uh, yeah. But that's not the reason that I got into it. No. Uh, my grandmother was uh, a fairly prominent poet. Really? Um, yeah, and so when I was younger, and actually started when I was really young, um, my grandmother was a very, very large part of my life and helped raise me. 
and when I was really young and going through like bullying in school or just anything really emotional, yeah. um, the loss of my, my poppy on the other side, and I had a difficult time expressing my emotions. So my grandmother taught me how to write it out as opposed really? to other things. So that's how I started actually writing. That and is so lovely. Yeah, it's kind of... It, well, I mean, I love poetry in its own, but it's... Whenever I write, I have a piece of her with me. And it doesn't... I could write about something erotic or whatever, and it's not about what I'm writing. It's no, about no. the fact that I am writing and I'm expressing myself. That's then, so amazing. Well, so did she really teach you to write poetry? Like, she tell you me, structures and formats and forms? Uh, yeah, or? she taught me, like, I mean, throughout the years. Like, obviously, when I first started, she just taught me to free write and just write my feelings on paper. Awesome. And then... As we went forward, it was she taught me more how to structure it and how how things work and how things sound well together. And she would give me um, she would teach me about vocabulary uh, when I was. This is gonna sound braggy. I didn't even think about it before I started it, but <laughs> when I was like, I was in grade four. I had uh, the reading and uh, vocabulary skills of someone in uh, grade twelve. Because, but it was just my interest in words. It wasn't even like based on intellect. You think yeah. I could? I couldn't spell the words, <laughs> uh, but I could definitely uh, string them together. String them together in really nicely. Pleasing <laughs> way. Yeah. You told me so. You've written some poetry specifically for a bedpost, which you told me you like. I don't know what inspired you on it. I'm going to ask you, but like you woke up in the middle of the night and started writing some <laughs> yeah. of it. Is that true? Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I I get weird like that sometimes, and uh, I like to think that it's the good artsiness in me, the weird artsiness in me, where <laughs> it's like I'll like be half asleep laying in bed and just think of a line. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get up and I have to write it down because I'll never remember it. Yeah, and sometimes that'll just take me writing one line in a book that I may use later. Sometimes that'll lead to me like it did for one of the poems for Bedpost yeah. uh, into writing for like five hours. Wow. Uh, so it's like most of most of which is garbage as with any other writing, but sure, then sure. there's the odd gem in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's kind of like when inspiration strikes. Was it like a specific situation or something emotional that inspired that poetry? Um, I... Or a person, or... It's not really inspired by any one specific person. Yeah. It's more... I've been going through a lot of changes in my life. Uh, I got out of a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been kind of re-exploring myself. Yeah. And, uh... As we do. Yeah, and yeah. just... Reevaluating. Yeah, reevaluating everything about my life and uh, life, love, sexuality, being single. It's weird after being in a long term relationship and just even <laughs> like the emotions just, that just come with that. Like, yeah, it's like man, even just dealing with attraction again, where yeah. like you haven't like let yourself feel attracted to anyone in so long, or whether whether or not it's letting yourself or actually not being attracted to someone in so long outside of your partner. Yeah. That when you become single it's just like opening your eyes for the first time in a long time. So um I I hear you. Yeah, I get that because even though Matt and I are in we're monogamish probably, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but even I find that when you know, we might be kind of 
courting a third person, but mm-hmm. even there, I still am not totally allowing myself to mm-hmm. really, as you're saying, like feel, yeah, really feel attracted to a person. Yeah, I'm in I a mean, you... relationship, like really emotionally, I guess I still remain a little guarded because you know that could get complicated. Yeah, you know. People manage it, but I... People yeah. manage it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I get that. So I get that. You kind of have that turned off, mm-hmm. generally. Then, yeah, it's just a... It's been a very interesting experience. Are you finding yourself then feeling attracted to a lot of people? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I'm a horny schoolgirl again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ooh, damn, he's cute. Yeah, yeah. Wow, look at that ass. Yeah. And I'm, like, and I'm like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? Like, are you 14 again? Like, That's, how, So how long was your relationship? Was it long enough that, like... Uh, it was three and a half years. Three and a half years, okay. How old are you? At 28. You're 28, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so early 20s, you know, yeah. is party time, pretty much, so... Yeah. You've been in a relationship for, you know, three, four years, like, yeah. You're you're gonna revert, yeah, <laughs> to the early twenties, like woo. I'm like, all right, Brandon, you're not 21 anymore. <laughs> but no, but you're 28, so that's still great. It's true, yeah, totally great. No, it's been fun. It's been good. Yeah, you've been having a fun fun time being single again. Yeah, just dating. I mean, mostly fun dating. Yeah. Just like um, casual dating. Yeah, just casual. Thing. Yeah, um, hanging out. Um, even just like hanging out with friends more. Or yeah, like yeah, yeah. even dating myself again, yeah, which is right. kind of fun. Like going out, taking like last night, I took myself out for dinner. Um, Very I nice. went for a nice big prime rib dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't move after, but I was like, because like, uh. you're a social person, I mm-hmm. feel like, yeah, right, That's fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like to <laughs> hang out and you like to, yeah, go out for meals and go out for drinks and yeah, not sure. right, yeah, yeah. So that part extent. of my nature. Yeah, it's part of your nature, I feel like. What's your sign? Cancer. Cancer, oh yeah. Cancer is like emotional, isn't it? Yep, we are. Are you an emotional person? I don't, I can't say that I really feel. I'm not overly emotional. Overly emotional. No, I'm not a typical, typical cancer. Yeah, yeah. But I do have that, when I do feel emotional, I feel it very strongly. Yeah, okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm not one who is typically very emotional, but if I do, watch out. Like, it's like <laughs> good or bad. You're in oh, for yeah. it. <laughs> do you find that getting in the way, like, or or facilitating, like, casual dating? No, because I think I, I have um, a wider outlook on it. Like, yeah. I... Which is? Just that, I guess it would be that there's way too many important things in life. And things that we have to do on a day-to-day basis that dating or courting shouldn't be lumped in with that. I think it should be like lumped. It should be fun. It should be fun. Me? It should be free-spirited. It should be enjoyable, above all else. Yeah. Um, including sex. Yeah, including sex. Yeah, with casual dating. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sex and sexuality. I don't mean to take away the importance of any of yeah. those things, and I very much believe in relationships and in love. And Even small ones. And yeah. Casual ones, fleeting ones. Exactly. Yep. I think that... They're all important. As, and so it's all about respect and yeah. treating people with respect and treating yourself with respect. Yeah, yeah. So, and just knowing where your boundaries lie and what's important to you. There you go. Love it. 
Oh, speaking of inspiration. Okay, we're going to do a thing right now. I had a story published. Actually, it was my first print publication. And it's published, uh, just a short story, published in an anthology. Of new, uh, it's erotic fiction by new women writers, it says on it. It's called The New Urge Reader 2. And this story was actually inspired by you. <laughs> you have not read it, though. No, I haven't. I'm yes. so excited about this. Okay, but I told you this yeah. right, a while ago. And I actually want to buy you a copy of the book for that I reason. just want to buy it. For I'll buy reason. it. You'll buy it? Yeah. <laughs> this is my author copy. So I've got this one so far. And I'm going to get you to do a cold read. <laughs> I'm so excited and yes, nervous. Yes, yes, yes. Do you know? Okay, I'll give a very small bit of background because I don't want to spoil it for you specifically. Okay. Um, I think I told you this though. It was actually inspired by a date we had, like a hangout date we had. Did okay. I tell you that? No, you didn't. Okay. No, you... It's inspired by you and I went to the Imperial Pub. Okay. And then we went and saw some theater, actually. Yeah, some I remember, I remember theater that. At, yeah. at uh, the Ed Merv's Theater. Yeah. Okay. That was a fun night. Okay. Was yeah. Night. That was a fun <laughs> night. Okay. So this clearly, this uh, is fictitious story, okay? Um, And actually, it was, the actual erotic part of it was a prompt from the editor of this book, actually. Um, I had it going kind of somewhere else, and he actually suggested that, this, like what actually does happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, love it, and I just ran with it. So let's go, uh, let's start here, Brandy. Okay. (laughs) This one here? Yeah, another round. Go away. Another round, the woman inquires, taking our empty glasses and placing them on her tray. The waitress glances around at her section, still a little busy for her liking. Then I feel Bethany's hand finally move. But it isn't retreating back to her own lap. I feel it suddenly fumble with the button at my waistband. What on earth is she doing? Do you have any drink specials? Beth asks innocently, while continuing to fondle my pants under the table. She's trying to keep her here, I think to myself. She's trying to keep the server at the table, and there's no arguing any longer. Beth is trying to unbutton my jeans. (laughs) (laughs) The straining feeling at my crotch intensifies, and my jaw drops in shock at the realization. I, uh, we have five bottles for $20, but I can't serve them to, to only two people, the woman answers. Luckily, the waitress is so concerned with the rest of her customers that she hasn't noticed Bethany's hand succeeded in unbuttoning my waistband. I want to do something, grab her hand to either make her wait, stop, or go faster, but I don't want to draw attention to it. I sit there, motionless, in a sexy, stressful state of anticipation. It's okay, I try. We'll take two of the same. No, no, Beth dismisses. I feel the zipper on my jeans slowly open, giving way to her gentle, though determined tug. What cocktails do you have? Well, we don't have a cocktail menu, but we can basically make anything you want. We have your basic rail spirits, a bunch of liqueurs, aperitifs. I stop listening. Bethany's fingers slowly peel down my underwear and make their way down the front of my pants while they talk. I feel my face burn, desperate for no one to notice, and embarrassed for Beth to feel how wet I already am. Despite it, my hips tilt forward, making it easier for her to get to me. I don't know where to look or where to put my hands. God, I'm blushing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> What'd you think? It's 
great. What'd you think, like, B-Dog? <laughs> A cold shower now. <laughs> Damn, I'm gonna drink some tea. <laughs> yeah, you just keep drinking your chamomile tea. Thank you so much for doing that for me. You're a good sport, really. Did, this is super fun. Did you know what you were getting yourself into? <laughs> Not entirely, no. Uh, I I had ideas of where I was gonna go, especially after you you told me that it was based on that night. I was like, I don't know which angle she's gonna go with this, but yeah. it was fun. Eager, <laughs> eager to read the rest of the story. Yes, I am. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. All right. On that note, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back with Brandy Robertson. Well, folks, I'm recording this on a Friday, which means that two exciting things are happening for me. Number one is that I get to release an all-new episode of the Bedpost podcast. But secondly, today is the day that I head down to the Social Capital Theatre to check out Friday Sketch Live, the comedy show in which a totally hilarious cast write an entirely new sketch show every single week. It starts at 10 o'clock every Friday, but I have to tell you that's not the only show happening at the Social Capital, and it's not even the only show happening at the Social Capital tonight. No matter what day of the week you're listening to this podcast, there is a live show being staged this evening. Find out which one you're going to go see at SoCap.ca or Facebook.com slash The SoCap. Okay, welcome back. I'm here with Brandy Robertson. Hello. Writer and, um, can I say, sex and sexuality enthusiast? Sure. That's what I say about myself. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) What I want to talk to you about... Because uh, we were buds, uh, we, we've had conversations about sex. Um, something that you uh, asked me recently, I'm not sure what we were talking about that this came up. I think it was. I think I brought it up because I was talking yeah. about being recently single and yeah, right. And Since you are sleeping with multiple partners. Ish. 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 More than one. Open to sleeping with Mark. We're I'm interested in call me. Um, (laughs) What? My number is 555. 555666. Yes, oh. I think that's where I'm this thing started. Okay, that's maybe. It, yeah. Okay, great. Let's let's do it. Again. Yeah, we were talking about how it saved my life, but it was awful for you when you got one. Yeah, and yeah. It didn't work or whatever. Yeah, I think I might have talked about this on the show, but I tried to get an IUD inserted because my I was on the birth control pill from when I was like fourteen mm-hmm. due to super heavy periods, and also my parents wanted me to get me on birth control. I'm okay. sure. But anyway, I had a lot of migraines growing up and, mm-hmm. yeah, weird, headache things happening. And at one point they thought it might be the birth control pill. Mm-hmm. So they thought, well, why don't we give you, try an IUD on you instead just to see uh, because migraines were, are a big deal. And at the time they were a really big deal. Luckily now I grew out of them. Uh, I had the same kind of thing. That's why, that's why I ended up going to the IUD was right. the same exact thing. Right. And it's no. funny, even now I just said I grew out of it, but I didn't. I went off the fucking pill. Yeah. That's why I don't have them. Isn't that funny that that's still, mm-hmm. like, programmed in my head? That mm-hmm. the birth control doesn't have any side effects nope. and is, like, healthy for you? Yeah, Okay. 
You know my stance of birth control yeah. pill now. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, though when I had mine inserted and immediately felt like super dizzy, like got vertigo instantly. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like spinning room. And yeah, the nurse is like, okay, well, let's just give you like 10 minutes or so. I'll be back. And it did not stop. And it even got worse. Yeah. And she's like, we got, we got to take this out right now. Some about it didn't gel with yeah, me. Didn't work with your body or whatever. So she took it right out and went right, actually went back on the birth control for another like five years. Because uh, I've only been off of it. Really? I've only been off of it like maybe two years now. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Because I was finally thinking that, hey... Why am I? Why am I on this medicine? Yeah, <laughs> like, why am I putting this in daily? And I'm not sick. <laughs> not even. Yeah. And also, willingly putting these hormones into my body. Yeah, like, and I just I think I read a lot of literature on it. Um, hmm. Yeah. I'm not so well anyway, read and completely on it, but I have my own experiences with it. With birth control pill? Yeah. Just with like, I said either massive weight gain or I remember putting on like 40 pounds in really in like a course of maybe a few months just wow really from doing that that was Depo Vera yeah but and that was awful and then when I tried to go off of it I had my period for which was the main reason I was on birth control was because I was so anemic um, but when I went off of Depo Provera, I had my period for four months straight. Oh, and it's like, oh, this isn't doing anything. This is great. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So your IUD, it's a hormonal one or a copper one? Uh, it's the it's the hormonal one, but it's the lightest one that you can go on. Uh, so it's like it's Marana or something. Yeah, Marina or Marina, Marina, Marina. Yeah, one of those ones. I've only seen it written. So yeah, I'm like, is it Marina, Marana? <laughs> I never say it right, but. So, okay, so that's like a slow, but that's a different, that's different than the, it's like a localized, okay, yeah. I should, probably shouldn't talk about it because I don't know much about it. You do. It's a localized hormone. <laughs> it's a localized hormone. Um, that it and releases. it's, yes. Which and is it's different. progesterone as opposed to estrogen, as far as I'm aware. Again, I'm not as, like. We're not doctors. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, that's as far the difference as I know. between the birth control pill and, yeah. and something I know that you can get progesterone based birth control pills as well. But, they but only upon request. Yeah. Sure. And it, well, it's, I don't know. It's also a way stronger dose. Yeah. Um, that's why the marina was great for me. It literally saved my life. Like, I was getting, having to get iron injections uh, once a week. Um, directly, like, intramuscular iron injections because my body was so low in iron that even the pills and just eating a whole lot of spinach, which, mm-hmm. who wants to eat that much spinach? <laughs> I mean, uh, I like it, but... Yeah, I like it, but... But uh, end it already. On. Yeah. <laughs> it would just... I wasn't able to keep up, and I was passing out, and... Wow. Um, so why did that start happening, that you're suddenly very... Was it sudden? That you're very low in iron? No, I've been, I've struggled with that since I was since I was a young teenager. Since I pretty much started getting my period. Because okay. um, I am I was taking our I'm similar. I was taking iron supplements forever. And mm-hmm. actually, in college, I went to Emerge because I was basically I almost said unresponsive. That's not true. I was unable to just get up. I was so. It's exhausting. It's like, like I was beyond exhausted. I could not move. And it was like, whoa, what? Something's wrong. And actually, I think they thought I had like mono or something like that. 
so I went to Emerge just because while I was in college, I didn't have my like family doctor because I was yeah. in another city away from like my family. Um, and they said diagnosed it as low iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like very low iron. I think like there's different degrees of it also, right? Like, I mean, a lot of women are low in iron. Yeah, like, sure. Um, and I'm vegetarian. So yeah. that's another reason why yeah. I was in it. Well, I was going to say am, but I'm not anymore. I got my blood work done every year, and I haven't been for many years. But, but at the time, it's got to be hard to keep it up, especially with that. Like, I mean, I eat. I'm a meat eater, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, from my giant prime rib last night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so IUD, but then do you also use a condom? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. As for STDs. I mean, I don't want to get yeah. pregnant, but I also don't, don't want an STD. Yeah, I don't want an STD. Yeah, um, I and I was just telling you, I just got my annual done. And mm-hmm. what's great about my doctor, she does all the STD testing annually with your physical, annual mm-hmm. physical. I always ask for it with my yeah. annual physical. Usually mm-hmm. it's upon request. Yeah. She actually does it. Like, she tells me she's doing it, for mm-hmm. sure. I guess, I guess she kind of asks... So we're doing this and this and this, yeah. question mark? And I'm like, great. Like, yeah. always, yeah. Just do it all. Get it all over. Yeah, do it all. Yeah, please. Because I think a lot of people, I think there's a stigma on STD testing. Oh, yeah. And it, it bugs me because it's something that keeps everyone safe. Because, yeah, like, no STD testing means more STDs. And what? even if you're only sleeping with one partner, like, what's the harm in getting exactly. a, a test? Like, I don't care if you've been sleeping with somebody for four years and that's yeah. the only person and it's not to say that they're cheating on you or you think they are but no but like the number one do you know what the number one symptom is of like just a general stds what's the number one symptom no nothing yeah okay that nothing. makes sense yeah <laughs> so and you could you could have had an STD you could have had it for years, years and years and years yep okay yeah uh, but uh no i i hate the stigma that goes around it and people are like I'm embarrassed to go in and ask for it they're gonna think I'm a slut or I'm gonna and it's like no first of all yeah not every doctor is sex super sex positive for sure there I get that fear but you know most health practitioners have heard it all okay like they've heard it they've seen it they've they've seen it like my my mom was a nurse forever and that's her that's her go-to she's like i have heard it all like like any anything that we had to like talk to my mom about and like we're embarrassed or didn't know what she would think she's always like i have heard it (laughs) all like like sex stuff too like she's mostly talking about sex stuff she's like sounds like you grew up in a very sex positive household Eh. (laughs) okay all right i'll take it back it wasn't sex negative it was just no like pretty non-existent actually until i was like an adult like late 20s probably began to uh, talk about stuff like that uh like relationship stuff as well like very late like i got nothing during adolescence did you at Uh, all no i grew up in a very religious household okay Uh, so i i actually got a lot but it was all very as i don't want to say it's sex negative my parents are lovely but like abstinence abstinence uh i'm currently wearing a ring that uh my parents bought me on my 16th birthday Uh which is no longer engraved because it's worn off which is quite fitting uh, but it used to be engraved with uh, true love always waits. Wow. Um, which, I mean, I, I understand where my parents' ideals are, and um, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, or anyone that follows the, that 
uh, standpoint when it comes sure. to sex. I, I wouldn't say is wouldn't ever say is wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't um, judge anyone. Yeah, exactly. For, you know beliefs that they hold, but yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fitting that the engraving is worn off. What I am so eager to do. I haven't totally pitched this idea to my mom. I kind of brought it up. Like, specifically, she deals with vulvodynia, and more broadly, it's pedendal neuralgia, um, which is generally, like, basically, it's genital pain. Um, And she's dealt with it, I think, her whole adult life. Mom, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But not only do I want to get her on the podcast, like, via Skype or something, to talk about that, Mm -hmm. but actually, speaking of, like, just how you grew up and stuff like this... I want to get my mom, like, on the phone and talk about, like, what sex was like, like, growing up. She's born 53, so, like, the 60s, like, what her family, what was she taught in school, what did her, what were her friends doing, what, what was she doing at the time, like, she tells me she was, like, well, she maintains that she, like, had great grades and was very, like, very good girl. But then she tells me these stories that she's, like, we hitchhiked to, like, Grand Bend one weekend. And I'm, like, who did you stay with? She's, like, people. I'm, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, my mom lets this slip every once in a while, too. And I was, like, like, you thumbed four hours to Grand Bend. And then all the way back, she's she said they were at, you know, a friend's. Oh, she said she was with a friend's brother, and that friend didn't even have a brother. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to... And she talks about, like, sneaking into dances. I'm like, what went on in these dances? Like, I'm just very... I don't know. I'm very interested. Even, like, contraception, what was going on, like... I, I, want, I wouldn't even know, like, when did she lose her virginity? Like, she got married to my dad when she was, like, 28 or something. She had me when she was 30, exactly. She's 53, I'm 83, mm-hmm. born, born in 83. So that happened late. So you, she had boyfriends. She had a lot of time in She had a lot of her. time in her adult life to yeah. have boyfriends and have sex, and I don't know. Like, I'm very interested. Yeah, it'd be a really neat topic, especially if you could find people... Like, my mom is 63. Yeah. I think. Was she born in 63, 62, 62 maybe? Okay. Sorry, mom, if I got that wrong. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, she's 29. So. <laughs> yeah, they're all always yeah. 29. Yeah, always 29. <laughs> 29 the whole thing. But it's still even, like, that's a 10-year gap between our moms. Yeah, that's so that, even that. Be, like, getting the differences yeah, between... Yeah, I would interview your mom. Yeah, yeah like, I just right. want to know what was going on at that time. Like, yeah. where, how she grew up and what, what sex was, you know, mm-hmm. at that time. What did they do? What did they hear about? What did they know? What did they think they knew? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. My mom's interesting, and I always try to get her to talk about it because she wasn't religious. Mm-hmm. And then she became religious when she was mm-hmm. in her 20s, her later 20s. And was, well, I mean, I think she grew up with religion, but became more religious when she was in her late 20s. So I know that she was, I know from stories from her friends growing up, because uh, I grew up with her friend's daughters. Okay. And stories that were passed down that she wasn't always an angel. So it'd be interesting. I love those stories. It's so much fun to hear. My mom's got a couple, like, she maintains that she didn't drink, but she's got a couple doozies that I just, oh my God, I'll save it for when I do, and when I do, like, convince her to do the podcast, but oh man. Yeah. It's fun, though. It would be be interesting to compare different generations and 
yeah, even just with sexuality, not even yeah. just sex or. Birth. I'm interested. Like, did she masturbate? Like, oh my god, the one thing that I was like blown away at. Okay, um, I had a woman on the podcast, Star Spider, and she was mm-hmm. talking about basically talking about pudendal neuralgia, but it wasn't diagnosed yet. She's kind of trying to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that she orgasmed like really like, so she's very sensitive mm-hmm. and just orgasm like crazy on the, on the drop of the hat. And so many, sounds so many times. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then my mom, problem? yeah, I know. Please. <laughs> Dental neurology. Me? Yeah. Um, but my mom said that's related to, hmm. to pudendal neuralgia. And my mom actually said the person that kind of examined her and interviewed her when she first started having pain, one of the questions, I guess, maybe it was questionnaire or verbal, I don't know, asked, has she ever had an orgasm in her sleep? And my mom was like, mm. yes, many times. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That'd be... And then what's funny enough... Yeah. Would that f- wake you up? Like, I feel like it would I make... wanna... I don't know! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna save it all for the podcast. Yeah, um, I can't wait to hear about but that. But no, it's funny. A girl I was telling this to, that I work with, she mm. was like... Well, it always hurts at first. And I'm like, no. And then, and then I told her that fact about orgasming in your sleep. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I've done that. And I'm like, I think you have potential neuralgia. Oh, my goodness. Maybe it's a lot. Like, like I'm sure there's a big spectrum. Yeah. Well, you know? there is with most things. And she's like, well, it always hurts at first. And then it's, and then it's fine. It's great. And I'm like, hmm, maybe you're on the low spectrum of, like, having potential neuralgia or something related. Like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Once again, eh, no, I'm not. No, we're not medical professionals. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, so, what were... Oh, yeah. So, the one the one thing that you said to me... Oh, yeah. ...was yeah, when... Uh, not that Matt, I have tons of threesomes, because we don't. But when we do, do you change condoms between the other female partner and myself, mm-hmm. which made me want to ask you about, because we both sometimes sleep with women, mm-hmm. about protection between women, like just two women. Yeah. I, Cause I like, don't think it often happens. I think yeah, I don't feel like it does either. It's like, like there's a dental dam, which I have never seen in person. No, I think I've <laughs> seen it in a sex shop, but I've never I've actually seen, seen like one. yeah, I've seen like it maybe during a lecture where someone was talking about protection. Yeah. But have you ever heard of anyone using a dental dam? No, no. Have, and then the, the 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 like kind of household substitute for that would be saran wrap. saran wrap. Have you heard yeah. of that? No, I've well you Other than me telling you? No, I hadn't before that. And like I've never heard of anyone doing that either and and granted not quite as many stds are getting transmitted from woman to woman than from man to woman or man to man but there's also like but there are still lots yeah there are still most of them toys even if two women are using the same toy like is there a sterilization process is there two separate toys yeah because yeah sharing toys it's the same thing that you're saying to me like do you change a condom because you're sharing a phallus. Yeah. So it'd be the same thing, yeah, when you're sharing a toy. And actually, it's funny, maybe it doesn't get talked about or thought about this much, because I've had a guest who has been sleeping with women forever. Like, she's she's gay, gay, gay. And she was like... Not just gay, gay. How do you... She's gay, gay, gay. <laughs> and she was like, I meant to ask you, do you sterilize your toys? And I was like, 
yes you don't know <laughs> she's like what do you do exactly and i'm like if it doesn't have an onboard uh vibrator boil it really so i don't think i don't know do people talk about I don't think I don't think enough people talk about these things. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people know that they have to. I mean, it's kind of common sense, like to wash with, it off. To wash it off. To wash it off with soap and water. Yeah, but like, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, not even from an STD standpoint, but just from a bacterial standpoint. Yeah. Like yeah. anything. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. But uh, especially any anal toys, like that needs yeah. to get sanitized, like ASAP. ASAP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can get E. coli or. Like, yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. many things. Yeah. Actually, Matt is listening to this crazy podcast right now. It's not crazy, but it makes him worry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the title of it, but like it's just talks about a lot of different diseases and stuff. Oh my god! Oh I could, my god! I couldn't listen to that. He, it would I make know. me so paranoid. The other the other night, like right before bed, he's like, "Babe," he's like, "I'm worried about AIDS." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. This is not a bedtime conversation. <laughs> He's like, there's so much about AIDS you don't know. I'm like, probably. <laughs> and like, I, you know, to tell you the truth, I do want to uh, I do want to listen to the podcast. But like... <laughs> oh, I'm totally interested in it, but I feel like I turn into <laughs> oh, like a paranoid freak. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like... Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And that's the thing with like protecting yourself. You don't yeah. want to turn into a total... Um, uh, germaphobe. Like, yeah. like where you don't feel like you can be intimate with people. Mm-hmm. Um... And especially there's a huge stigma with people who do have STDs because, you know, obviously you need to disclose that, Mm -hmm. but there's a huge stigma there. And actually, I read an article about uh, another thing I've read but not spoken, Truvada or Truvada. It's the drug. It's the drug that um, stops the transmission of HIV. Okay, yeah. Um, I have I know about that because I have a one of my best friends is a nurse and she had uh, a possible uh, contamination with a patient, so she had to go on the whole HIV cocktail thing because yeah. of it was just like I can't remember the exact circumstance, but somehow there was she ended up with blood all over her and plus I can't remember if it was in her mouth or some some sort of something some sort of contamination where she had to go on all of these drugs for like three weeks wow. and then you have to wait like a significant period of time in order to get tested so mm-hmm. even though like, like especially under those circumstances where you're like do I have it and like this is just it's kind of like the thing that girls go through, where it's like convincing yourself you're pregnant. Am yeah, I'm pregnant. Am yeah. I pregnant? Am I pregnant? And then you get your period. I think I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but with an STD, like especially with HIV, mm-hmm. it's like you're that changes your life a lot, For and sure. it's not like like depending on the STD, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, like, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't make it. It's not the of, end of the world. Yeah, There's there are a lot, a lot of, of who, sex kind of practitioners that say that it's just the casualty kind of of casual sex yeah you know if you're going to have multiple partners you are you're exposing yourself to Mm -hmm. more infection yeah that's just it so you know if you it's just the um the price of admission i love dan savage that's another dan savage ism it's a price of admission for living that lifestyle which Mm -hmm. that's not he's not shaming in any way people that do that but just to be aware that to you know that if you want to live that lifestyle that's a risk for sure and many many people take that are happy to take that risk happy to you know if you're say polyamorous and and Mm -hmm. you know 
you like gangbangs and like all you know all this type there's of so many different types of relationship these days yeah. where it's, that, and there's different types of poly, polyamory yeah poly, is that polyamory right? yeah, polyamory yeah, yeah. sounded weird to me nailed it Brandy. <laughs> yes I got it yes <laughs> remember that whole vocabulary thing yeah. I was talking about earlier <laughs> yeah you're still not quite I know, I'm not at quite grade there. 12 level no um, you're, you're <laughs> stuck I'm, at grade I'm 12 reverting <laughs> Grandma, sorry, girl. Um, yeah, that um, that's just comes along with casual sex, and really, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a stigma on it. This no. is not a huge deal. A lot mm-hmm. of them are curable, and a lot of them, you know, that aren't have you'll have a small outbreak, and only then really is it a big problem. Yeah. There's and, tons of people and other than that, that's just either. a part of your life. And if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna have lots of partners and continue to you love your sexual life of having many partners and engaging yep. in certain quote unquote risky activities, then that's just the price of mission, and that's fine. That's your yep. consenting adult, and the importance is disclosure, full disclosure, right at the top. Yep. Um, as long as you're doing all those, then and you're protecting yourself, obviously, yep. especially when you have an outbreak. I think it's another thing, like back to STD testing. Is that when you are sleeping with multiple partners, it is like people. I think a lot of people are like, Well, I got my test done last year. Well, how many and, partners have you had since last yeah. year? Yeah. And I think that it's something that needs to be more than just a yearly thing for people who are sleeping with multiple partners. I think for it sure. should be. Yeah, especially if you've had a risky encounter. We've <laughs> yeah. all had them yeah. where you're like, Ooh, that wasn't the smartest. Yeah. And, you know, get tested. Just yeah. go walk in and get it's tested. We're living in, in Canada. It's the yeah. easiest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, walk in anywhere. Anywhere. Walk into my... <laughs> not anywhere. <laughs> walk in the corner store. And you can get Erin is not a doctor. Do not let her test you for STDs. The eighth time I said that in this podcast. I'm not a doctor. So, Brandy, one thing you've mentioned to me is that you want to kind of start up a fetish night. Yeah, well, I had worked for uh, a restaurant slash lounge uh, back in BC mm-hmm. that we hosted a once a monthly uh, fetish night there. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't a part of like the organization aspect of it, mm-hmm. but I often worked them. And so what uh, kind of things happened? It was essentially, it could be a little bit of anything. It really depended on the month. It was just a comfortable space uh, for people to come and explore their different sexual desires and needs. So it was like full-out sex club we're talking about? Uh, no, it was more, I guess it was more of like a meet and greet. Okay. And yep. a place for people like social. to come in. Yeah, like okay. a social. People come and network. There's Very a cool. dance floor. There's... Yeah, different outfits and... Yeah, people come donning their fetish gear. Yeah, and it was really fun. So I liked that idea, and then it goes hand in hand with me just, I guess, trying to open myself up again and discover different things, and just wanting people to have an atmosphere where they can be themselves. Yeah. So I approached you about yeah. possibly co-producing this fetish night with me. Which I'm super interested in. Yeah. Love it. Just to create like a fun space for people to come see different things. Like we're still throwing around ideas. Or something oh yeah, yeah. it's very it. much in the infancy of this, yeah. but I just wanted, do you have like personal interest in fetish or just like a future interest? Want to get into it? Uh, yeah, I'm not closed to anything. Like, I'm right. very open-minded when it comes to sex and sexuality. Yeah. I've never really explored it. Mm-hmm. Like, to like I've played around with, like, minor, minor things. But, sure. no, it's just something that has always interested me. And I, mm-hmm. I think that 
is often stigmatized and sure. I think that more people should be able to explore it if they so choose and I think that something I'd like to do is just make it like remove the stigma yeah that's well, a little bit of a little bit at a time yeah and I love that the way kind of we're thinking about it, it's going to be different from bedpost in that it's not a show it's like a social atmosphere it's an it's a uh, like a yeah like a social night yeah, a or, social night where there's different things to look at or experience, so yeah. you're not constantly feeling like you have to go out of your comfort zone and talk to people. Yeah, so have kind of like stations of different yeah. experts, you know, t- either talking about certain things or demonstrating. Yeah, or, or visual stuff happening. Yeah, sexual art. Like, yeah, yeah. We talked about DJ. Talked yeah, about yeah. Just throwing ideas around. That's but, awesome. And please, if you have any, come visit me at SoCap. Yeah, yeah. Brandy <laughs> <laughs> will sling you a drink. You'll sling her an idea. I love ideas. Fantastic. Um, okay, where are we? We're there, Brandy. Ooh. I hate to tell you, we are, we're at the end of our podcast here. It's no fun at all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just getting warmed up. I know. <laughs> tell me about it. Okay, so Brandy, where can our listeners find you? Well, I am on Twitter at brrobertson42. And you can also see Brandy at SoCap most times. I am all the time. Most times. I'm Erin Pym again. To find out more about the Bedpost stage show, go to facebook.com slash bedposterotica. My personal blog with over 100 erotic short stories is at erinserotica.com. Lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Steph Copeland, who can be reached at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com.